Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code 5. That's the word 5, F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BETUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS. Let me tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football this season. Just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog Fantasy handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring over your home league over to underdogfantasy.com. You get $25 upon sign-up, so you can take a free shot at a million-dollar grand prize for their fantasy football tournament. Again, you get $25 free in bonus cash when you use the code 5RSN to sign up. It has never been easier to take a shot at a million-dollar prize in their Best Ball Mania tournament. Go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store, use the promo code 5RSN, and get $25 in bonus cash. Sign up. Today, U Brake Wheel Fix is a wheel repair and remanufacturing company with over 20 years of experience. They specialize in complete wheel repair, repairing wheels from curb rash, bends, and cracks. They also specialize in refinishing from polishing, machining, and custom colors that will suit your car's needs. Lastly, U Brake Wheel Fix offers a full array of factory and custom wheel and tire applications. Contact them at 305 748 0112. That's 305-748-0112 or at You Break Wheel Fix on all social platforms. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States for more than 60 years combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24-7, walk-in, call-in, click-in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at SF Agent Peters, or you can call at 305-275-5585. Remember, lewispeters.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three, Three Yards Per Carry. This is a victorious edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm afraid of our Tiago, Simon Clancy is here, Chris Kaufman is here, and as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN for 20% off your entire order. 
Simon, what a game. Your impressions, your initial impressions on the game, and then we'll get into some more details. Yeah, I thought it was two good teams, uh, clearly, going up against each other. A lot to work on, obviously, for both sides. A lot to work on for the Dolphins. A lot of encouraging things. Some kind of questionable things, I think. Um, and stuff that I know Chris has been looking back at film today. I haven't had time to yet, but intrigued to look at a few players. But, you know, a win is a win. A road win is a road win. And a divisional road win is pretty massive to kick off the season. So, you know, lots to be encouraged about. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh I thought I was going to be, you know, depends. If you play a team like a team that you know is bad, maybe Jacksonville on the road or the Texans, although who knows, the Texans just put up a pile of points this weekend. But let's say you play the Texans on the road and you just eke it out. Maybe you could be unhappy about it. But beating Bel- Belichick in Gillette in New England, no. To start the season when he's had months to prepare for your team, and when he probably got Malcolm Perry in a dark room and sh- shined a light in his face and had him give up an entire playbook, maybe. But no, you can't. You got to be happy with that. Chris, your initial thoughts of that game yesterday? I don't know. From from, from a lot of people out there, it almost doesn't uh, feel like a victory Monday, um, you know, from, from the general mood. Um, and I think it was just because it was such a – uh, you know, brutal, ugly game uh, between the two opponents. But I, I, I absolutely agree with you. You go on the road. This is a packed stadium. I said, you know, before in the previous, the preview podcast, this is going to be a packed stadium, um, sold out completely. And the first time these guys have all been back, I believe this is the first game where everybody's back since the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so emotions were going to be running really high in the crowd. You know, emotions were going to be running really high with the players, uh, you know, getting to play in front of their crowd again, finally. And, um, and so this was going to be really hard. I, I wanted to pick the Dolphins to win the game. I thought they matched up better, but it's like that home advantage is going to be huge. And I thought that there were some situations around the NFL where it was, um, it was pretty huge. So um so yeah, it's just it's just a really big uh, big win, and you know, there's I think right now there's many there's not universal agreement that the New England Patriots are going to make the playoffs, but um, much more often the, people were saying put, pu- plugging the New England Patriots into the playoffs, say the number fifth or number sixth seed, um, with the Dolphins missing the playoffs, and I think after a game like this, you kind of have to pull yourself back from it and say, well, wait a minute does the playoff team lose to the non-playoff team at home, you know? Yeah. Um, in their own stadium in front of a very, you know, very loud, very active, uh, sold out fan base. Um, I'm not sure about that, but uh, the Dolphins, the Dolphins eked it out. When I did film review today, and we'll go into it a little bit more, but when I did film review today, I, I did, to be fair to, to the to the naysayers, I, I found like as much negative as, as positive, maybe even a little bit more for the Dolphins. Um, so, you know, there's there's definitely a lot to be worked on, but um, but still, you know, feels good to come away with that one. All right, let's let's get into it and let's talk about the offense first. Uh, Simon, you know, it seems I don't know. It, it maybe maybe it's too easy to just say this, but. It looked like when they came into the game with with a with a script, they knew what they wanted to get into. They knew what cadence they wanted to do everything at, 
at, every, at what tempo they wanted to run everything at, which personnel groupings they wanted to use. They cut through that New England defense like the Kansas City Chiefs. They look like the greatest show on surf. And yeah. then in the second half, they do it again. The rest of the game, not so much. Yeah, that, that, that's one of the things that concern not concerns because it's the first game, but the inconsistency of the offense. You know, they were moving the ball on the ground, for example, and then all of a sudden they just went away from the ground game completely. You know, and then when they came back to it, they were running, um, you know, sweeps uh, and, you know, whereas they'd had huge success, you know, just knifing between the tackles. Um, it felt very much as though the first kind of 10, 15 plays were scripted, almost that old Bill Walsh thing of scripting those plays. And, and you know, they knew exactly where they're going. The RPO game was working brilliantly. And then all of a sudden they kind of went away from it. And it was almost, I mean, I, I don't think it was, but it almost felt like, you know, Godsey was calling the first series. Studsville was calling the second series. So it was back to God. It was just inconsistent. Um, I wonder whether the game would have been as close if Jalen if Waddle catches that um, third down pass. I thought, Two got let down slightly by a couple of um, a couple of drops. You know the the play by JC Jackson and Devonte Parker was was a great play, but you kind of hope that it was a great throw. Um, and it, it's interesting that the kind of narrative seems to be around the interception rather than anything else that Tua did. I thought he played very well, um, but I do think that that consistency really needs to be ironed out if the team is going to take that next step. I thought there were times, like I said, you know, where it looked to be integrated really well. Obviously there's questions about the offensive line, which, which doesn't help. And you, you know, you look at the time that Mac Jones had to throw compared to the time that Tua had to throw. Um, and it's night and day, the lack of Mike Kosicki, obviously, you know, the Patriots did a good job of, uh, of shutting him down, but you know, I think he was he held to zero catches or one catch? He had the one catch on the play that was called back when Kindley was illegally downfield. Did he have another catch in the game? I'm not sure that he did. Nope. And um, I don't think he even had a target either. Yeah, I mean, he did, he did, yeah. he did, but he, he really? had a target, but it was yeah. low. It was low. It was on target, but I think the oh yeah, uh, I remember the, the play back. He, he kind of knocked it down a little bit. You know, again, much like the overall performance, you know, intriguing, um, some good, some bad, and a lot to work on. Um, you know, I think um, it's such a massive year for Tua. It's such a massive year. But, you know, he seems to have done an outstanding job all through his career of shutting out the outside noise. Um, you know, and I read, you know, like I read Albert Breer today and Breer saying, you know, oh, the Dolphins have got to be pretty, you know, that they've got to be thinking about the future and blah, blah. You know, Tua's performance was pretty poor. And you just think, what what game did you watch? What, you know, I heard the quote from, from Jonathan Jacks, Jonathan Jones saying, you know, oh, that's what, you know, Tua has only got one read and that's it. Jason Jackson, 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 by the way. <laughs> no, it was it Jason Jackson. I just felt, I thought it was Jonathan Jones, the guy that had the interception. No, it was JC Jackson. Uh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was just a little bit unfair, a little bit unnecessary really, because, you know, it wasn't, it's not representative of the game or how he performs. So, but, you know, he certainly has other stuff to work on as well. So, um, obviously, another big boy game next week. So, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and on on that front, uh, it, I'm not surprised that JC Jackson piped up because Tua is not like he's not a, he's not a a shy flower. Okay, he's he's a little bit chirpy. And think about who JC Jackson had to go against all day: Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker doesn't stop talking from the start of the game. And who knows, maybe he got an, an earful from Devontae Parker all game and he was a little bit frustrated and decided, you know, what, I'm going to take it out on the young quarterback. But I agree with you. Waddle catches that out route. 
I don't know if you saw the replay of it, but McCordy gets absolutely flattened by Devontae Parker, and Waddle has one guy to beat. If he could shake Jonathan Jones, he might score from there. Mm. And then, you know, game of inches. We're talking about six inches a little further out, and Albert Wilson catches that go route on Jalen Mills. And then we're talking about Tua having a monster game, four touchdowns, maybe 300 yards. So, you know, it's it's right there. Chris, the offense. It's not, it's not though, is it? You can't, we can't keep saying. That's true. That whataboutery is not like, you know, because if we said, oh, Mac Jones could have done this or Patrick mm. Mahomes could have done that, it, 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 we can't live like that. We have to accept that what happened happened. I'm not criticizing you, but I'm just making the point that, you know, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle kind of thing. We've got to, you know, yes, we were close on a few occasions, but close doesn't win you Super Bowls. You know what I mean? We've got to, mm. we've got to make those plays happen. You know, well, that's elite, where they got to get to. For sure. Absolutely. But I, I don't think we can sort of live in this world where we're going, oh, well, he could have had four touchdowns if this had happened because it didn't happen and he didn't. So, um, yeah, I think I think he played okay, played pretty well. But, you know, I, 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 that's that's a kind of bugbear of mine. Except for I'm, that, not, except, I'm not having a go at you. Though. No, but except I, for I, that, agree, that, I agree that with last you, play at the end, though. <laughs> Yeah, for I agree sure. with well, I agree, but the, the thing is you can do the whatabouts, I think, a little bit, you know, when there's something egregious with the officiating. Um yeah. but if it's something that your your team earned or that the other team earned or failed to earn, you know, um, you know, what a what what are you doing a what about for about, <laughs> about your team wasn't good enough, you know? Um I I think that uh I think that you got to focus on on what they earned and what they did not earn and uh you know there's some places some places the the refereeing was the officiating was a little bit questionable but um you know you can you can ask about that but not about the other stuff. Yeah and on on the officiating front and I guess we'll touch on it very very briefly. Uh, I spoke about this earlier I was on with with Alex Dano and and Two years ago, most media members don't show up to these things, but I found it interesting to go to the seminar that the league does every single year for the media where they have the head of officials. You get to ask them questions. Two years ago, I asked specifically about this, and I gave a bunch of ridiculous scenarios where they said no because the official can determine, and obviously I'm talking about the Atlanta Roberts sack that wasn't, that became a 25-yard swing, and you know, eventually a touchdown. And the official told me clearly, look, you know, it has to do with intent. If the guy can do something else other than go low and hit the quarterback, then he, then he should. But if all he can do is grab the quarterback low, then it's not a penalty, but it's at the discretion of the referee. So if I take the head of officials at, at his word, that was a, bad call today Channing Crowder was on his show with Mark Hockman and he eviscerated the the officiating I don't know if you saw it the way he saw it he thinks that the Patriots picked all day and that Mm -hmm. they called none of them and that they should have called maybe 15 of them he was extremely I don't know uh, what words you you use for it but he ranted for about half an hour on, on how bad the officiating was Simon, was it as bad as Channing Crowder made it out to be? Um, I thought it was pretty egregious at times. I've got to say, there was um, like, uh, I, I, like the the Landon Roberts was was bad, um, but I can see why they called it, especially mm-hmm. in the moment. You know, it did feel a little bit like he was falling over, and you know, the the impetus of 
absolutely destroying Ramondo Stevenson, knocked him, you know, almost took away his ability to stay upright. And the only thing he could do was almost fall forwards and make the tackle. But he didn't go for his, you know, he pretty much tackled him around his calves, not his knees. So I thought that was pretty egregious. There was a couple of other calls I just thought that were just he got him around the thighs. I mean, the, yeah. the pictures, the pictures show him that he got him, he got him right at the thighs. I just there was a couple of of other calls in that game that I just thought, Christ alive, what's happening? You know, I thought like the 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 tour rollout where Eichenberg on Matt Juden, I thought that was a I thought that was a a good call. Um, but there was a there was one other, and I can't think what it was, and it was just like this the offsides this, that they blew dead. Oh yeah, of course. When Jalen Ward was like twenty yards wide open down the seam, <laughs> that was terrible. I mean, could you imagine them? Could you imagine them doing that to Tom Brady or to Aaron Rodgers, the king of of getting defenses to jump offside, the king of free plays? Could you imagine that happening in a game where Brady or Rod? They would have gone absolutely apoplectic. I mean, Flo was going mad, but you know, I I did think that the um, I did think that the the those two calls especially were pretty horrendous. But you know. <laughs> I mean, it's New England, and that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're New England are they're they're kind of PhD level at those pick plays. I mean, so Channing Crowder going off about them like the, and they never call it. <laughs> they never call it. So the the referees. So you don't be surprised. In fact, I kind of had to question. The Dolphins played zone almost the entire first half, right? Yes. Um, on defense, and I, I had to sort of question at some point are they doing this because they're that worried about my uh, about new england's pick pick plays um and their tendency to do that uh particularly in the red zone like it's almost like the first touchdown set up the second touchdown because in the first touchdown in the red zone or the one where they actually ran the ball in the big play that got them that close to the end zone was a pick play and it was uh you know it was it was justin coleman who was out there only two snaps on the day, but this was one of them. Um, he, he, he really got, he fell into the trap and he got picked off badly. And, uh, and so Mac Jones had an easy completion to get them, you know, damn near the goal line. Um, and that, that ended up with a touchdown. And so the next time Mac Jones brought them into the red zone, what happens? Miami's going to zone. And then the zone, you know, this is not a zone team really. I mean, their, their identity, they're, they're built for man. That's how they do things on the personnel side. Their identity is kind of man. Um, and then they're playing this zone in the uh, the red zone. And it's just, it was just not tight enough. I mean, it was just soft. And, uh, and he had, and there's, I mean, Nelson Aguilar didn't have anybody with him within four yards of him uh, right on the goal line. He's just sitting on the goal line, like, Hey, you know, throw it to me. Um, and, and so I think that that's, it affected things. Now you saw it in the second half though. Uh, Flores can't go a whole game, right? Um, he started covering, calling, or he and Josh Boyer started covering, calling a lot more man in the second half of the game. And particularly Flores and Boyer just went mad with the cover zero looks again, um, mm-hmm. which is their, you know, their stock and trade. Uh, and, and the Patriots had some interesting, had, had some decent answers for that. They were, they were hitting short passes, um, you know, quick outs and stuff, uh, stuff like that against this cover zero. I thought that Miami's, uh, defensive linemen, their edge players probably could have done a better job, uh, getting their hands up into the passing lanes because they're supposed to like they're, you know, yeah. the, those edge players are supposed to shut that, shut that quick outside stuff down. Uh, especially when you got like a zero blitz happening. Um, 
And so, you know, the, the Patriots were kind of dinking and dunking and, and moving their way down the field. Um, and, and so they had, they definitely had some success. Um, but on offense, I mean, the offensive line, I was a little bit surprised. So, so there's a miscue. I, I tweeted a video of, um, of actually uh, Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt pulling into each other. <laughs> <laughs> like they, yeah. they both, they both, they both pulled in opposite directions and just like slapped bellies. Um, and, and it was just like weird. Uh, and there was, there were some miscues that way um, on the offensive line. Jesse Davis, I thought had a rough day, um, you know, overall. Uh, and, but otherwise I was like, there were protection issues, you know, there's, th- this is an issue of the protection. Like why is miles Gaskin trying to block Matt mm. Judon? Like he's a, a right tackle. Um, you know, that's, that's not, that's not supposed to happen. That was a schematic loss. Um, you know, there, there's, there's some other things like that, that, that were like kind of protection, like another pass play, it's a play action and you have, um, Solomon Kinley and Michael Dieter crossing one another, right. Doing like a switch. And, and of course, like a defensive tackle runs right through, like, you know, as, as Michael Dieter's running one, one way, a defensive tackle just, beeline straight to two of tongue of Iowa and he's just got to throw the ball before anybody is ready for it you know and and it's it ends up looking like a throwaway to uh, actually to Mike Gesicki um and uh or a back shoulder that Mike Gesicki didn't look for or something like that but it was because it came out so so quickly but otherwise aside from miscues and like bad design the offensive line was pass protecting fairly well I mean that might surprise people but I was like I'm going through every play and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm really spotlighting some, some bad action by some of the offensive linemen, but I'm like, Hey, they're, they held up here. And then they held up here and then they held up here. And then they held up, you know, like on these third and longs, these third and eights, third and 10, you know, stuff like that stuff where they're the offensive line is supposed to really get, get hammered by, because they're not very good. Um, but they weren't, they weren't. And, uh, and I think that um, I think that they're, if, if you really look at that, you know, either maybe the Patriots front isn't as as good as as people thought, or maybe you know, with Liam Eikenberg at left tackle, maybe they have something. Um, but I think overall, I will say this: uh, Liam Eikenberg should be starting at left or right tackle uh, between Jesse Davis and Austin Jackson. Pick the weakest link and 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 ditch mm. him. Yeah. Can I just make a point about the receivers? I, 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 the one thing that concerns me about the receivers is the three big plays were all contested catches. Um. You know, uh, Parker, uh, Waddle, um, and there was one other down the field catch, and I, it did. Parker had two. Parker had two. Then did he? And it just made me Maybe, slightly yeah. concerned about you know the the quick hitting RPO throws, the the quick slants, fantastic. But the actual throws down the field, and you do worry. It was a worry last year as well about the about the ability to create separation that the receivers have and it's just something I think just to worth keeping an eye on and something else to worth keeping on I think is that they will hit a very long touchdown this season because teams will be looking to bite and dive down on that quick hitting slant and somebody like a waddle will take two steps inside and two will just pump and then they'll step back outside as the as the corner bites inside and they'll be gone over the top um so I'd look out for that but just um yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Will Fuller uh, and what that does for separation in terms of um, Miami's ability to, to you know, 
because we don't really see you, know, you look last night at, at Matthew Stafford hitting I know the Cooper Cup touchdown was was certainly a blown coverage but you look at the the Van Jefferson you know it's not often that the Dolphins complete those sorts of plays in terms of guys running open in sort of three or four yards of space so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with Fuller and, and as Waddle gets more um, accomplished as we move forwards. There was a yeah. there was a play at the end that was really interesting I put it on Twitter um, this was the last drive, you know, we, we have to run out the clock and then we had like the holding penalty. And, um, and so it's first and 14 and they're backed up against their own end, end zone basically. Um, and they've got three and a half minutes that they need to, you, you know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Oh, they're, they're going to fail here three and out punt it. And then all Mac Jones has to do and all the new England Patriots have to do is get a field goal. You know, so that's, that was a really critical situation. George Gotze pulled out a play. It was, it was, it was beautiful. It worked beautifully because I think actually on review, they called more RPOs than we thought. Um, you know, but there's, there are RPOs that don't necessarily look like the, um, the, the glance routes or the, um, the run to daylight routes that, that we see with the slants. Um, and I, I think they called it a little bit more than we thought. But, but on that play, they called a fake RPO. <laughs> and so this was, I mean, and because two is a left-hander and because his feet are so fast, you can do this and his release are so fast, is so fast. Um, but they called a fake RPO to the play, play side to the left. And, and then Tua just, you know, before, he, before there was no mesh whatsoever. Even better than that, Chris. It was a fake RPO and the run action was a counter trade. They pulled the guard and the tackle. Yeah. On that play. Right. Yeah. I wonder it, it's, and, it's insane. And, and hit and hit Devontae Parker on the toe on the back side. You know, yep. and, and what made the play is how how it came out and, and got into his hand so quickly. But and if you notice it, by pulling the guard in the tackle, they moved the linebackers out of the throwing lane. And those guys mm-hmm. followed our guard and tackle to a T. The play worked spectacularly. If they're giving was, out game balls to coaches after the game, Gazi deserves one for, for that, that was a hell of a, that was a hell of a play call in a hell of a situation. You know, that mm-hmm. was that was I mean, that was that was a game losing situation to me. You know, you're I on wonder, you're on the five yard line. I wonder if Tua has a right handed throw in his armory. <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious because yeah, he's, right, I mean, he's right handed. I'd be really intrigued. It, like if I was the offensive coordinator, and I apologise if my if I sound much roomier because I've gone to the kitchen because I'm I'm cooking dinner and I'm clearly going to eat it during this podcast, which is <laughs> listeners the fucking commitment that I give you. Um, uh, I wonder if he has. If, if I was George Gosley or Stutzman, I'd be like. Tua, can you throw right-handed as well? And if he says he yes... He golfs right-handed, like, by the way. I've seen a video of him golfing. He golfs right-handed. Everything. He writes, he throws tennis balls, he picks his nose, he plays guitar, <laughs> everything right-handed, apart from throw. He must have a right-handed throw in his armory. I'd be, I'd, I would bet they've worked on it. I bet they have. It would be that would very, be something. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? All right, on the way out here, let's let's close this up by talking a little defense, okay? This game didn't start off uh, too hot, Simon. <laughs> thirty-five the yard first run. run, yeah, thirty-five <laughs> yeah. yards out of the out of the box. I'm looking at it, and I'm I'm trying to diagnose everything that went wrong. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. Everybody just got blocked. All right. Uh, although, if you look at it again, it's Emmanuel Ogba managed not to flatten out. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but he has to crash down from his his five tech spot. He's supposed to close that out, okay? Oh, boy. Since then, 35 yards. After that, 29 carries, 90 yards. That's 3.1 yards per carry. So that's our show plus 
about <laughs> about a foot. Okay, so it's our show and a foot. I thought they were okay. Where they weren't okay, man. Mac Jones cut them up in on third down. Yeah, and he he took eight quarterback hits according to PFF. I'm told it was more by other people's county. He was. I thought he was just really good. Although he was safe with the ball, I thought on third downs he kept them alive. If not, the Dolphins could have really. They could have ran away with this game, if not for Mac Jones on third down. Yeah, Chris and I were talking about this in the um, in our own infants chat uh, during the game, which was good fun as always. And um, it was interesting because, and look, I'm not saying he's Tom Brady. I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Brady. But the way he was able to move the ball on third down, especially when he got into that rhythm later on in the game, it just was yeah, like... Second it, half. It, yeah, half was didn't it ridiculous. just remind you of Brady? It was like third and eight, convert, third and three, convert, third and one, convert, third and nine. Convert. It was just like, come on, not again. This is ridiculous. Like, I, I thought he played well. You know, he dinked and dunked well. You know, Chris and I, again, we talked about the fact that under pressure early on, it just reminded us both of, you know, Alabama. That was the key thing, Alabama. He pressured him and he just looked at his mechanics. He just looked like he didn't know where to go with the ball. He looked a bit shaky early on, but, you know, as he, as he got into his rhythm um, and we unsettled him and we were able to, you know, Ogba was getting in there and Sealer was getting in there and Phillips was providing some nice pressure. Um, you know, he really, you know, some, there was some sort of crikey, this could be scary in two or three years time sort of stuff. But overall, I thought it was really confusing in terms of what we did on defense. It's just like, I, I thought we would, I assumed that we would just blitz the shit out of him and then man cover on the outside. But, it was um, it kind of didn't feel like that at all. As Chris talked about, you know, zone and cover zero. I thought Jason McCourty had an outstanding game. I thought mm-hmm. he was absolutely sensational. Um, there you see, that's my alarm going off to tell me that dinner's ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought. Uh, let me turn the oven off. I thought um, McCourty played it outstanding. Um, you know, how, I mean, he never looked. He, he was clearly instructed do not throw uh, under any circumstances in Xavier Howard's direction. I thought the concern was. You know, obviously, Raekwon Davis, it was good that it was just, you know, it didn't feel like a, you know, it didn't seem like a serious injury. And he was obviously moving about and stuff. So I thought John Jenkins, you don't want him on the field for 42 snaps, but I thought what he did, he did pretty well. The, the concern for me was Jerome Baker, actually. And I, I kind yeah. of felt like, and, and again, Chris and I talked about this, but it, I, I, it almost felt like he had COVID. He'd had COVID. <laughs> Didn't it though? But in seriousness, yeah, yeah, well. it felt like it, it looked like he had COVID maybe three or four weeks ago. And he was just like gas. He was just slow to come back because he's such an energizer bunny all over the place. Like the James White, it felt like he was, you know, a step slow. But then the next play, he was like on his, like with his hand, or like kneeled down actually. He didn't need to kind of gasp mm-hmm. for breath. And you're just like, this is not the Jerome Baker we've seen over the last three or four years. And I don't think they were, un- they were necessarily picking on him to that extent. It, it was just, um, I thought it was very interesting, and I wonder whether it was just a one-off, whether he was just feeling a bit under the weather, or whether you know teams have spotted something um, it, it, with with regards to that. But I thought overall it was just a slightly confusing. I, I thought they were just trying to confuse Mac Jones more, and that, and it didn't feel like they did. And it, everything that I assumed that would be available to Jones, you know, the, the the underneath balls, the crossing routes, the screens, the flares, those sorts of things were available to him, and it was. Um, you know, maybe they were worried about whether or not he could take downfield shots and stuff. And so that's that they were allow him, you know, that and, and flood the field with Rowe and McCourty and Javon Holland, who played 24 snaps, Brandon Jones who had 11 snaps. But um, 
But yeah, it felt like a little bit bend but don't break. It, it, it certainly felt like they were driving towards what should have been a game-winning, at least a game-winning field goal towards the end before Howard. You know, big players make big plays in big moments, and that's what right. Howard did. Justified his, you know, his contract and his status as, you know, and really our only elite player. Um, but yeah, I, I thought overall they played well. The, again, like the offense, a lot to work on. But um, look, a win's a win. You know, it doesn't matter. In, in, at the end of the season, nobody's going to care how the defense played in this game. What they're going to care about is that Miami won 17-16. And that, at the end of the day, is the most important thing. Yeah. So- and on, on the Baker front, Dolphins like to do this thing where they try to induce hot throws. And then they, they try to drop somebody into that zone where that ball is supposed to go. On one of those plays, Jerome Baker for whatever reason, ran, I think, in the wrong direction because there's no way that they have a defense where Jerome Baker is going to be occupying the same zone as Andrew Van Ginkle, and both guys are going to be standing within two yards of each other. There's no coverage. That that doesn't exist, okay? That's not any defensive playbook anywhere. And on that play, you could see Brian Flores was pretty hot on the sidelines because Mac Jones actually threw hot. If he drops into that zone, who knows? Maybe Mac Jones throws it right at him. And by the way, how many times are are we going to get our hands on footballs at the line and not get it? Brandon Scarlett almost, <laughs> almost put an end to that game. I thought he played well, actually, Scarlett. In the um, he, did. He, did. he did. I thought he was he was active and he made plays. And he's, although he's he had the he had the a win, very solid player. He had the win early in both hands. He just couldn't grab it. But if he does, that game ends. Well, he he. he it's surprisingly he does pick off the ball, um, which is it's surprising only because you look at him, he's a very um, square blocky player that doesn't move very well. You don't want him covering a lot of ground, but he's also really instinctive. So I, the, the ball finds him. Um, but I think in the, so Mac Jones early in the game, shaky um, against pressure, duress, under duress, any kind of duress. Uh, and this, as Simon said, this was like Alabama. The first, you know, one of the first things he does is throw a backwards pass. Um, and, you know, nine times out of 10, I think the defense scoops that up and runs it back for a touchdown. Uh, it just so happened this Except this we time. we just stood there and stared at it. Yeah, I mean, okay, well, that's the, nice. it just that's so happened this time. <laughs> this time an offensive player was able to to jump on it and and really minimize what could have been like a very I mean, we're talking about rookie bloopers in their first game john beck type stuff um you know that's so so there's that and then you know a couple times he just he really panicked and and threw a panicky ball um took sack and took a sack um i think that uh he was shaky that way but then in the second half I, it's those halftime adjustments or something. I don't know because um, because he was in a perfect rhythm and he could do no wrong, whether it was man or whether it was zone, uh, whether it was a zero blitz, whether it was, you know, just every time he had the answer, he had the answer for where the ball was supposed to go. And he would get rid of it, you know, just before the pressure was uh, was getting in on him. Now, what I think that Miami was guilty of in the game is, you know, because they did blitz and they they came up with lots of, um, you know, creative blitzes on review, but they weren't very tight with them. Like they they didn't you could you could see it's not it's not midseason form, you know, in terms of what they're doing pre snap and how they're lining up and and the disguise aspect of it all and um, and timing timing, which is so important and the angles, which are very important. Um, they weren't tight 
that way. And uh, I think that that costs them. Uh, and you saw, I mean, just all the way around their, their chemistry with each other and their teamwork with it, um, with that sort of thing was not tight. And that's why they're, you know, they're hitting him just after he throws it. Um, and then there's at the beginning of the game, those big run, the big run, uh, and maybe another one or two, that was some, they were loose on the, on the run fits. I felt like um, uh, that was, that was just loose, like first game. It felt like to me, uh, but in the second half, if there is a concern against the run, it's that when they, the Patriots yeah. are able to isolate Sam Aguilon as uh, being in there at linebacker instead of Landon sure. Roberts, uh, then they were really able to get some things done on the ground. And, uh, and, and he wasn't, he just, he's, he's not aggressive like uh, a Landon Roberts against the run. And I don't know. Yeah, it was. And I don't know if he like necessarily missed his gap or whatever, cause I'm, I'm not going to say that, but, um, but yeah, there was, he's certainly not as aggressive as Landon Roberts. They did take advantage of it on some of those drives that we're talking about in the second half where they're, you know, kind of dinking and dunking and driving down the field, the run game made a difference in, in the ability to dink and dunk and keep those, keep things manageable. Um, and so that, that would be a concern. And, and there was also, you mentioned Jerome Baker and Andrew Van Ginkle having communication issues. Well, there was also a communication issue and a blatant one between Nick Needham and Sam Aguavon um, that resulted in a big, you know, just before the, was, the, the last fumble. There was a Needham really and Coleman one. Like that, well, deal. Um, there was a, a pass right up the middle, I think, to John and Smith. And that was that was a, yeah. a really big issue with uh, Nick Needham and Sam Agavon yeah. pulling back into the exact same zone. Well, there's the Coleman uh, toward the beginning of the game. You had a Coleman. Uh, yes, it was. It, it's the pick play, basically. Coleman Coleman got baited right into the trap and then got picked the hell off, you know, and um, and it was bad. It was so bad that that, you know, the guy almost walked in for a touchdown. Um, so, yeah, that was that was also that's that's also communication, I think, as well. So that's a good point. Um, but, yeah, I think that all the way I come away from the feel of from the game feeling on defense like they just they really need to tighten some things up between communication and um and they're you know kind of getting mid-season form with their blitzes and and timing and chemistry with one another yeah i absolutely agree and stop playing stop playing so much zone although you had a great observation maybe it has has to do with all those pick plays and maybe that was the game plan but even if you are going to play zone you got to tighten that up too and you got to be you got to do a better yeah. job of disguising it because and we're good at it <laughs> Like, no, we're good at the zone because either either Malcolm Perry gave up the entire playbook, the entire game plan, and everything he learned here, or Mac Jones and their Ooh, offensive like staff severely I'd like to see back how, outcoached because our defensive staff they because they seem to know when didn't. zone so Johnny Smith and was coming and, like and they had the each. right play calls. So the Dolphins did a good job of shutting down the tight ends. All right, on the way, up. but in a dink and dunk offense or a control, more controlled offense because you're protecting the quarterback, it's very difficult to cover. All of those underneath, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Whether that's Bolden, whether that's Stevenson, whether that's Damian Harris, who looks really good, whether that's James White, obviously, that we know about Smith, you know, um, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Jacoby Myers runs underneath really well. It's you know, it is difficult to cover all mm -hmm. those those players, but clearly we targeted Smith and Henry as guys that we wanted to shut down. I thought they did a really good job of doing that, actually. So certainly kudos on that part of the game plan.
All right. And on the way out here, very briefly, uh, Brian Flores today said Austin Jackson is back at practice, and he's the left tackle. In my opinion, Liam Eikenberg gave up one pressure. Man, he has the job until they take it away. I train Austin Jackson at right tackle. What are you doing with the tackles, Simon? (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, Chris, what are you doing with the tackles, briefly? Well, the – uh, is the pressure you're talking about, is that the one where he tripped? He got tripped by Solomon Kindle? Yeah, no, that's what they credited. Yeah, that one. Yeah, well, because because that was clearly not his his fault. I mean, he, he I was he was pass protecting and Solomon Kinley reached back his left foot and really just just totally tripped him. And that's why he ended up being bowled over. Um, so otherwise, you know, he had some he had some moments. Uh, where, you know, you need to find work a little bit better here or, um, or don't hold, <laughs> you know, the holding call. I thought it was a fair holding call. Some people didn't, um, you know, don't hold, find work a little bit better. But otherwise, I thought he was really good. And, uh, and I thought that he should be starting somewhere, whether it's right tackle or left tackle. He was a better left tackle. Yeah. I mean, you do have to account for the penalty, right? And, mm-hmm. and I, I get that which was a big deal, but, um, but he was a better left tackle. I felt than Jesse Davis was a right tackle. And, um, and so between left tackle or right tackle, he's, he's gotta be somewhere. And I think they're, they're kind of caught on, you know, we, we have investment in Austin Jackson. He's first round pick and all that. Um, That's, and that's why they're, they're going to, they're going to stick with it. And they've also yeah, been got, they've got, spent a bit of training camp and preseason um, trying to get this competition going between Liam Eikenberg and Jesse Davis at right tackle. So that's probably just Jackson still that, right. the stuck mindset right now. Mm-hmm. But I would I would look at Jackson or J- Davis and say, one of you step up and win it because this other guy is better than one of you. Yeah. All right, and we shall see. As Wednesday, we talk about a big game, one o'clock on Sunday here, on in on what should be a raucous Hard Rock Stadium. Bring your caps, Dolphins, Bills, kind of big. Dolphins win that game. They go up two games on the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Two games bring on the, the Buffalo cat. Bills. Here's bring Brace. the cats <laughs> later. <laughs> All right, that's it. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Big game preview. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.